Hi, this is Dr. Laurie Santos. In a world that sometimes feels uncertain, there are beacons of hope in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network. We believe that the people living all around you are your best bet at creating meaningful social bonds and preparing you for the next big weather event. Whether it's lending a helping hand to a neighbor in need or standing together in times of natural disaster, Neighbor to Neighbor empowers you to grow your community. Visit caneighbors.com to learn how you can build a more connected community. Neighbor to Neighbor. It takes a neighborhood. Hi, this is Dr. Laurie Santos. In a world that sometimes feels uncertain, there are beacons of hope in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network. We believe that the people living all around you are your best bet at creating meaningful social bonds and preparing you for the next big weather event. Whether it's lending a helping hand to a neighbor in need or standing together in times of natural disaster, Neighbor to Neighbor empowers you to grow your community. Visit caneighbors.com to learn how you can build a more connected community. Neighbor to Neighbor. It takes a neighborhood. This week on Barca Talk, every fan has had a response to the loss in the Champions League, and we are letting your voices be heard. Uh, We're moving forward also with our fundraising project to sponsor a young player at FCB Camp this summer. A little bit of news, Iniesta has decided his future, but he hasn't told the world yet. And the first team are still undefeated and several points clear with the league championship well in sight. So let's talk. Hey everybody, welcome to Barca Talk. This is Brian Henderson coming to you from Buffalo, New York. And joining me, as always, is your co-host, Gabriel Quiroga. Brian, Brian, my Barca brother from another mother. How you doing? I'm doing okay. It's We're having an ice storm right now in Buffalo. It's not fun. but And we <laughs> yeah, really doesn't... thought we were past this. You know, we really thought that spring had fully arrived. You know, I just the other day, let me tell you this, just the other day, I was uh, sit- standing out on my porch, and we have these cables that run from our house to the posts on the street. And on the wire were two birds, a boy bird and a girl bird, or I should say a man and a woman bird, because they were getting it on, li- literally on the wire. The g- <laughs> they, were, they were perched on the wire next to each other, and every so often the larger bird, which I assume is the man, would just hop on top of the smaller bird and, you know, do a couple of pumps and then hop back off because I think they were having some balance issues, but for some reason they had to do it right there on that wire. That's how that's how close we are to spring here in Buffalo. And then this this weekend or just last night we got some crazy winds, ice falling from the sky. You know that's the thing about Buffalo. You get all manner of um, frozen water falling from the sky. I feel like Buffalo is the backdrop for. What was that movie? The world never ends, or whatever that, that <laughs> weather movie, you know, where the natural disasters all hit with the ice storm and the hail and all that stuff. I feel like every time we talk, Buffalo just has like a, a new weather story for me. So yeah, yeah, it's it's a very it's a it's a diverse spectrum of uh, cold, awful weather in Buffalo. Well, I have a quick story for you. Last night, I went to this place that opens at three a.m. Yeah, yeah, you did, and and. <laughs> Yeah, it was crazy. You go in, you you ring the bell, they look to see if you're not too drunk, they let you in. You go down to this underground bunker place. Is there a password? Is it speakeasy style? There is no there's no password, but right. it's it's pretty close to it, right? Right. And you go down, they sit you down, and they have this menu they give you. They give you it's you either have wine, beer, a mixed drink, and then they have three things of food. Um 
cold cut meats of you know like Spanish meats, cheese, and spaghetti bolognese, what? which is like the most random <laughs> thing ever. Okay, that's great junk but food. <laughs> yeah, but apparently that's what they're known for. Because I got there around three thirty, I was one of the first people there with some friends, and all of a sudden just people just kept coming in, and they all ordered spaghetti bolognese. <laughs> I did not have it because it just didn't look good, but it was just a very interesting place. Then at four o'clock in the morning, some guy comes up to the piano and just starts playing piano for an hour. Nice. Random Madrid night. Well, they have a piano, so <laughs> it's it's serving its purpose. Exactly. <laughs> Funny thing about pianos, you know, they are they're musical instruments, but they look like furniture. <laughs> so, so don't be fooled. Like when a piano is being played, that is a piano doing what it's supposed to do. <laughs> Exactly, but it was just such a random place. You know, it was like this underground bunker serving That's... spaghetti bolognese. <laughs> and as I was talking to my friend, uh, my friends, I was saying, "What was their business plan?" You know, like right. we're going to open this place at three a.m. Perfect. <laughs> it's like three a.m. You know? Well, what I I imagine that not many other places are open at that hour. So, well, you'd be surprised. There are a lot of places still open at three a.m. here in Madrid. Wow! So, but it's just it's just funny that this place. Apparently, everyone knows about that serves spaghetti bolognese, which is just super random. Yeah, seriously. All right. Well, you know, there's no sense in putting it off any longer. Uh, We'd actually talked about putting out a special episode on Wednesday, but we decided to just let the dust settle a little bit after after we suffered that terrible loss and played a terrible game in Rome and got knocked out of the Champions League in the quarterfinals for the third year in a row after winning the title in 2015. Brian, man, I was so upset on Tuesday night. I mean, just for a bunch of factors, right? It wasn't just the loss. It was just how we lost. Yeah. You know, the effort the, that we were tired, the terrible tactics, no halftime adjustments, and of course, terrible substitutions. You know, it was all of this at a head. And everyone, it seemed like, on Twitter, on social media, could see what was happening and nothing was being done. It was just, it seemed as though it was this long car crash that we could see the inevitable end. And we were just telling them to move to the left, to the right, and nothing happened, right? Yeah. That's, a, that's what it felt like. Yeah. <laughs> just get out of the way. Exactly. Do something. And instead, they went faster. Yeah. <laughs> like, nope. This is this is going fine. Yeah. Yeah. Everything is oh fine. My God. Yeah, but that I, was I, denial I, in action. Oh my gosh! Not only a river in Africa, right? <laughs> I mean, like, you know, and like we've been talking, you know, we've been applauding uh, Val Green's efforts all year about you know how we ride the ship. You know, obviously thirty nine unbeaten, all these things, and you know, in the most important moment of the season, he came up super small. And, you know, we've got, we got so many comments this week from this match and also just reading. And I'm, I'm kind of glad we let the dust settle because I'm a little bit more calm now. I can talk about it a little bit more analytical about what happened. But, you know, for me, maybe Val Green still just has this small club mentality. You know, yeah, that's I've been the hearing first that thing. a lot. I mean, that's the thing, right? I mean, it, there's a lot of factors that went into this supernova of a loss you know it's a bunch of players had a terrible night our tactics were horrible we were tired and again as we've been talking about it all came back to that Leganes match where we could easily just rested so many players and we could have had a better result you know that Saturday turnaround to Tuesday night game and also flying to Roma is super difficult and I just don't you know this happened with Luis Enrique too, you know, where he just burned the players out so much, you know, and it drives me crazy because 
you know, Barcelona, uh, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, these are cutting edge teams with fitness technology. They have those heart rate monitors. They, they monitor, you know, minutes and my and kilometers and everything. And to have this come in the most important moment of the season, it's just, it's just baffling to me. I know. I know. Well, uh, so, well, let's start getting into it, you know, because normally we review matches all by ourselves from our own perspective. And of course, there's a strong community aspect to this show also, but we normally keep that separate from talking about the games. And that's how we're going to talk about the league match with Valencia later. But the only thing that anyone could really talk about this week, of course, was the Champions League. Anyway, so rather than cover the Champions League match the way we normally do, we actually want to start with what you guys had to say to us about that loss in the champions league so the first comment we're going to get into came from us in facebook from asmi ab uh he says good morning guys i'm still shocked i can't get over this defeat i don't know if i will i can't find an answer but the question is why did valverde bring gomes in why does he bring to the team what was our coach motive our coach's motive actually is it attacking is it defensive like, forget everything else in the game. The one thing just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So I think, you know, this is, you know, it's so funny because everyone just has so many questions about what happened, right? And it almost seems as though Val Green just said, you know, pass better from the back. Yeah. Try harder. Run faster. And it was clear as day what Roma was doing. And half of their players even play over the weekend, knowing that they were going to be full tilt, 90 minutes, pressing high. And to me, you know, again, you know, my feelings on Andres Gomes, like this guy just, you know, he doesn't do anything, you know. And in this moment of the match, he's not the answer at all. Oh, no, no. I mean, and especially, I mean, we're going to get into this also later, but just the fact that Valverde waited so long to make any changes at all is is mind-boggling. And then the change that he made was not positive. Exactly. And that's the other thing, too. He waited so long. Yeah. You know, as I told you, Brian, like when I used to play and coming off the bench sometimes when I did, it sucked coming in with eight minutes left because you cannot do anything. It's it, It's almost impossible. I would say when you come in with eight minutes left in the game, if you're a tall player and you have a lot of corner kicks and stuff, maybe you bring that to the match. But it's so difficult to bring anything to the match with eight minutes left because you're trying to feel the rhythm and then all of a sudden the game's over, you know? And it's, exactly. it's, it's you know, especially at halftime, how did he not make any halftime adjustments? Seriously. I mean, even in like their tactical, like what, what they were going to do, even, even if he didn't want to change any players, but they came out and just kept doing the same thing. So, but I want to say uh, thank you, Asmi, for, uh, for, putting that to us and like we both feel your own your shock and uh i think i can get over it though um yeah of course <laughs> I mean, that's the thing i mean i you know obviously he wrote this the next day and you know everyone again, was emotional me, i know let me let me ask you this brian you know yeah. i've watched you know so many videos so many commentaries on this you know we're the only one of the only clubs in the world that are lucky enough to compete for all three competitions and be serious threats in all three right copa del rey champions league and la liga you know, for me, I just think La Liga and champions are really important. You know, I just think, you know, I think La Liga is always going to be the number one priority just because it's the longest. It's the hard, you know, it's the hardest just because so many games. And with Champions League, yeah, I want Champions League titles. And I know, I mean, we've seen our results in the last five years. It's super difficult to win. Luck, injury, all these things. But when we have this opportunity, we cannot just waste these years with Messi 
playing right. this type of style of football. You know, that's the thing that just was, I was one of the other things I was just so upset about, you know, it's just, we just waste another year with Messi basically. Yeah. Yeah. Now uh, let's move on to another one. This one came on Twitter and uh, it says, we beat Madrid three, nothing this season, but many of us forget we were outplayed and outclassed in the first half with how deep we were playing in Bilbao. We went in front early and defended for the remaining 70 minutes. What did we expect against Roma at Rome with a four, one lead? Of course, Valverde would try to be, quote, defensively solid. Valverde still thinks he's at Bilbao. He's still a coach with the small club, underdog mentality, would be best suited for Atleti, Chelsea, Milan, and the likes. Forgive my rant, Forza, and that came from Femi Mikael on Twitter. Uh, so thanks for that. And that's exactly what you were just saying, Gabriel, is that there's there's a lot of talk that Valverde still has this smaller club mentality and he's not, um, he's you know, of, of course he's been doing a very good job, or at least he's been getting good results. But, uh, you know, the cracks, the, the small club mentality came out in this match. Exactly. And, you know, in Roma, we just need to score one goal or just hold them better defensively. And the way Umtiti and PK played in that match, I have never seen them play as bad as they did. They just looked tired, uninterested. They didn't want to get physical with Dzeko. Apparently, Dzeko was, you know, he was on fire that night. You know, every time he was in the box, he was scary. He was making plays and so forth. And no one to come up to him and battle him for headers. They were just disinterested. I knew we are going to be defensive in the 4-4-2. But at the same time, you know, at halftime, you, you can just you see what's going on. You have to make those adjustments, especially at halftime where you can tell the players exactly. I know on the pitch, it's very difficult to communicate your tactics on the fly, but at halftime where everyone knew, and it was only one, nothing at that point, you know, it wasn't dire straits at all. It wasn't two, nothing that maybe the small mentality. He just thought, okay, I'm just going to weather the storm. But I mean, in this match, think about all the players that had their worst match of the year. I mean, yeah. just go down the list. Semedo, PK, Umtiti, Rakitic, Busquets, all those guys. And this one moment where we needed anything from them, they just couldn't perform this match. And it just all comes down to just being tired so many matches and just, you know, demanding so much from their play time and time and out, you know? Yeah, yeah. Now, there's this last one, and this is kind of a long one, but it's a pretty full uh, analysis, so I think there's plenty to respond to in it, actually. Uh, and this actually came from Carlos Rojas um, to me on Instagram, KDRM87. And um, he says, okay, <clears throat> here we go. First of all, the man responsible for the result is Valverde for placing a 4-4-2 formation. That was giving him good results thanks to the magic of Messi in many of these games, but the team has never been comfortable with that system. In the second place, Valverde went out to protect the result of the first leg in every moment. He forgot to play football when Barcelona is a team that's characterized by its offense and possession of the ball. Valverde did not respond on time to the demands of the game, did not make substitutions on time. I mean, losing 2 nothing from the 55th minute came to make the first change in the 82nd. Then he placed our beloved Andre Gomes. The manager never did anything to change the dynamic of the team, which was drowned in midfield during the first 85 minutes of the game. The defeat hurts me above all because of how the events occurred, because Barcelona looked like an amateur team against an inferior rival. And he's more or less summarizing or saying again that a lot of the same things that we've already pointed out. I mean, this really goes down to, yeah, the 4-4-2 was giving us good results, but in these matches where we need more discipline and more um, 
you know, we need a two point strikers, right? So in this four, four, two, it's basically Suarez by himself because Messi has so much Liberty to go left and right and so forth. So as a defense, you know, that's why Roma played with three in the back because they knew they can just gobble up Suarez back there and pressing high. They knew that uh, Barcelona wasn't going to escape that. Now, you know, we talk about this four four two. He should adjust it to a four three three to have some sort of outlets behind that midfield. You know, because that's what we were missing. Every time we would turn around the ball, we had no one to pass to because we were being pressed and squeezed. But again, this is you know we've been talking about this all year, Brian. You know, having Messi in the four four two is fine, but I we need to have another striker up there to handle the pairing with Suarez to have the defense respect that Messi's Messi, right? So he's going to go left, go right it's the good and the bad, right? I mean, he obviously gives us great passing. He's going to score goals. But the thing is, we don't have anyone keeping the defense in that specific area to respect that area. You know, when we had the 4-3-3 before and Messi was playing right wing, he would always stay in his box. And then in the final third, he would cut in. But the defense would always had to be on top of everything with the three people in front. And now it's just one person. It's much easier to defend. And in this result, you know, Val Green had to change that 4-4-2 to a 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1. I don't know. Anything. 4-1-1-1-1. I don't know. But not this 4-4-2, you know? Yeah, exactly. And we've been saying this so many times. Get Suarez and Paco in the two point spots up front. And if you want, and of course you have to play Messi, right? Because he's, he's messy. So, you know, fold him into the, into the uh, midfield kind of setup as a playmaker slash attacking midfielder, you know, uh, so then you could have a, you could still have a four, four player midfield, but you'd have, you know, Busquets as the more, you know, holding midfielder in the back and then Messi more in the front of that. And then you could still have Coutinho. You could still have, you'd be playing Dembele even as a as a midfielder but attacking that sort of depending upon how, what you want to do but the the main point that you're getting to is that when Suarez is all by himself out there he's not a he's not a tall target man right if you're if you're someone like Jeko who's like 7 feet tall that's fine you can just throw balls into the box and he can try and get his head on him but that's not Suarez's game you can't just leave him all alone up there exactly and how many times where you know, Suarez and Messi were both on the same side behind each other. You know, there's no one on the right side. So imagine if we took out Rakitic in this match and we put, let's say just for example, Paco or Dembele with Suarez up top with Messi behind. And then you had the midfield of Messi, Sergio Roberto, Busquets and Iniesta. All of a sudden with Messi always coming to receive the ball, you still have the two points to keep the defense and the spacing. So the defense of Roma couldn't push forward as much. But since there was only one person, they just basically just forced them to the left side and they kept winning the ball. We could never turn and pass and possess throughout the whole match. It was Rakitic's passing this this match was his worst ever in, in the Barca career. And Busquets still looked hurt. And that's the thing. That's the other thing too is, you know, Busquets is still hurt. Maybe he shouldn't have played in this match because he hurt us worse because he wasn't able to move. His passing was awful. And, you know, the plays he usually makes, he wasn't able to do that in this match. Yeah, that's true. So thank you, Carlos, for that. We appreciate it. And we do actually have a few of our, well, obviously we've been making them, but we have some more comments about the match. And I just want to kind of bring it back to, you know, rewind to before the match. (laughs) Or as it's starting out. And we're looking at the lineup. It was the same exact lineup as in the first leg. So Ter Stegen in goal. Semedo got the start. PK, Umtiti, Alba. 
And then the midfield, Busquets, Rakitic, Iniesta, Sergi, and of course, Messi Suarez, right? So same again, same lineup as in the first leg, including that Semedo and Sergi pairing on the right, which is, um, it's, it's a new, it's a new thing that Valverde has been doing. And that's another issue is like, I'm not, we saw that it wasn't working very well in the first leg. And I, I was a little surprised that he decided to go with it again in the second leg. Yeah, definitely. And the other thing too, is just, you know, you, in this match, we could see in the first 20 minutes exactly what Roma was doing, how they were going to press, how aggressive they were going to be. And to not make that adjustment, maybe to take Semedo out and put Sergi back at right back and then maybe put Dembele up there just to have an outlet, a speed outlet, just so that the defense has to think about it, um, to me was super surprising. But, you know, on paper, I was happy about the lineup, you know. But within the first five minutes, I knew it was going to be a long game. Just the way – I just remember – specifically like one play where we got the ball to Iniesta, he turned and all of a sudden the guy just tackled the shit out of him. And I was yeah. like, Oh <laughs> God, I was like, we are, we look like we're walking in sand, you know, like that's how we were playing. And they just looked on like they were gliding on fire fresh. And I, and as soon as the Jekyll goal came through too, as well, I said, Oh my gosh, it's going to be a long night. I could just feel it. Yeah. Well that goal uh, with the assist from De Rossi, you know, it, I mean, you got to hand it to Jekko, right? He was having a great game, and it was a good finish on that goal to get Ter Stegen going the other way. But, I mean, that was just the beginning of the pressure that Roma w- kept putting on the box. And P- PK and Umtiti just couldn't stay with it for the duration of the match. And, you know, here's an interesting stat. PK had more touches than any other Barcelona player at 85. And after him was Rakitic with 74. And that just shows how heavily Roma were shutting us down. Yeah, it's twofold, right? Shutting us down and then also just throwing it into the box every time to Deco as a point man. I mean, they obviously just trusted that, that that with his height, he was able to hold the ball and pass it out and, and make some plays. You know, on that first goal, for me... Ter Stegen should have been way more aggressive to come out. You know, I think he waited too long on that ball. You know, I'm just, you know, obviously in the situation, it could be different. But just from that play on TV, when I was watching it live, I, you know, I was just screaming, Ter Stegen, jump out. You know, it's like, (laughs) just make some contact. It just, you know, like I said, it just, it seemed as though that uh, Umtiti and PK just looked disinterested. They didn't want to be physical with Deco. And especially with that 4-1 lead, you know, it seemed as though we could have cruised. But as soon as that first goal came in the sixth minute, they should have just flipped the switch and they could not flip the switch. Yeah, no, they really couldn't. And the other thing, tactically, you know, th- I was watching a video on how Liverpool uh, managed to beat Man City in the first leg. And, of course, they beat them also in the second leg and, and they're going ahead. But uh, watch this tactics analysis video about how Klopp did that. And a lot of it had to do with shutting down the passing lanes to your main link-up player and also forcing the ball out to the wings, which allows you to use the touchline as another defender. And that's exactly what Romo were doing in this. Jekyll and Schick were both cutting off the passing lanes to Busquets from the back, and they were forcing the play out wide, and then they were using that touchline as another defender. Exactly. It was just, you know, it was masterclass tactics by the Roma manager um, to, you know, develop this play. But also, you know, as we've seen in the past, many teams we've played have tried this this tactic to press us, to use the sideline and so forth, but they can only usually do it for about 30 minutes or so. They can't do it for the full match. Knowing that they were going to use this tactic, you know, the Roma managers sat a bunch of their players because they're not fighting for the league. You know, they're Juventus is already has the league wrapped up so they could sit their players, rest them. And they've been training for that tactic all week long, knowing that they were going to play for the tough 80 minutes, you know, and you could tell for the first 20 minutes, I said, Oh, it's, 
you know, it's going to, it's going to weather, you know, we're going to be able to weather this and, and get through it. But then as soon as 20 minutes, 25, 30, and they did not let up, I was like, Oh God. Yeah. Again, they're going for be the whole lot. match like this. Exactly. I, we need to figure something out quick. ASAP. Yeah. But we didn't. <laughs> but so uh, I have some halftime stats for you. At halftime, of course, Roma were only up one nothing. You know, we still had a chance. But if you look at the possession, it was 55-45. So obviously Roma's doing, they're playing the game they wanted to play correctly there. Um, they had 45, but still, that's a lot more than you normally see in a, a game against Barcelona. And they outshot Barca 8-5. to five. They also committed twice as many fouls and picked up two yellow cards. So not only were they shutting down the midfield possession, they were playing really tough. And after the opening minutes, they just really had Barcelona on the back foot. And, you know, like you were saying, like they were not they were not shy about getting really physical and committing plenty of fouls. I mean, this is what I would do if I were playing against Barcelona. I would try to be more physical and just toe that line of being too physical and getting too many cards, you know, Um, they played it perfectly. And that's the thing is that we had to adjust and we just did not adjust, especially with this one, nothing lead. I don't even remember five shots in the first half by Barcelona. I can only remember your boy Sergio when he had that one-on-one and he just kicked it right to the keeper. I was just, no, Sergi. I was (laughs) anywhere, (laughs) anywhere but the center, you know, make the goalie dive at least. You do know that the goal is bigger than the, just where the goalkeeper's at. Right. (laughs) Yeah. But that's the only shot I remember. I, I don't even remember any attacking by Barcelona. Yeah. Like that's, that's a, those are statistical shots. Like the, the, they, Probably, like you said, none of them except one were actually memorable or threatening. The other thing too that shocks me about this is the you know the possession. I would have thought that Roma definitely had more, or it was you know more forty nine fifty, you know. But yeah, well, I mean forty five fifty five. It's yeah. it's so close that when you're watching it in live time, that pretty much is it feels like fifty fifty. Yeah, and, then, you and know? that's the thing. And going into halftime, I said, okay, I even tweeted this. I said, just get to halftime, Val Green, just make those adjustments that you've been doing all year. And he did not. He did not. (laughs) So then we start the second half, and then in the 57th minute, PK gets booked, gives up a penalty kick, and it was so disappointing. Dzeko had him beat, and then he went to ground, and he was trying to make a play for the ball, but he wound up instead tripping Dzeko, and he gave up the penalty, and of course, De Rossi put it away, and now it's 4-3. This play by PK, I was so livid about because it was the laziest defense i've ever seen and the way he pulled him down all he had to do was hold his ground and jeco didn't have a clear shot like just play the percentages you know i would have rather had that and yeah he was in the box but jeco would have had to done something magical to get the ball through pk to, to ter stegen in that moment and the way he just pulled him down and just oh my gosh i was just and of course the rossi converted that and you know i was I was very scared that we were going to get eliminated at this point. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then it wasn't until the 81st minute that we had that change. And it was, yeah, it was easily the most curious moment of the whole match. I mean, right after that second goal, Valverde should have immediately made some change. Even if it was Gomes in Freninesta, whatever, at least it would have been a response. But no, he still waited 20 minutes and he puts Gomes in for Iniesta. Yeah, which makes no sense, right? I mean, the thing is, you know, 
if anything, Gomes is, yeah, he's physical. So that's what people were saying on Twitter. We need someone in there like Paulinho or Gomes to be, to, you know, match the physicality of Roma. But for me, we just need to get more passing lanes and more players in the center of the park to turn and get that to Messi and Suarez. I would have loved to see them change to a 4-2-3-1 at halftime just to have Rakitic and Busquets focus on their defensive roles there. That would have helped us a lot. But Again, this is so curious. And then also, you just see Iniesta on the sideline, like crying because you know it's almost his last Champions League. And I just, I just can't believe we wasted this opportunity like that. Like it was just such a throwaway. He just treated that match as if we just went to Celta Vigo, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that could very well be Iniesta's last Champions League match, at least for Barcelona. But I, I doubt that if he does go anywhere else, he'll stay out of Europe. Uh, But and then the very next minute. Manolas scores Roma's fourth goal on the corner kick with this acute header, and it was a well-executed header, but still, he wasn't very tightly marked, broke down totally defensively. Yeah, he was barely marked. You know, Semedo lost him, and Manolas didn't really do anything creative. He didn't come off a pick or anything like that. And Semedo, you know, as we've been you know, talking about his progression through the season, this was easily his worst match of the season by far. His passing accuracy was awful. And in this moment where we needed him to just hold on to the to the Roma guy you know just stay with him on this corner kick he didn't do that and you could see his reaction too it was just it just our whole team just looked as though we didn't know it was a Champions League elimination game it just like I said it just seemed like it was just Celta Vigo match day 25 you know right <laughs> <laughs> yeah so disappointing and then and then in the 85th minute uh, he made two more changes put Dembele in for Semedo Sergi came back into right back, and he put Paco in for Busquets. Okay, great. Those are some positive changes. But do those in the 65th minute, not the 85th minute. I mean, I just don't understand how, you know, we're all watching the same match. And how does the majority of us know that, you know, we're tired, the tactics need to change, like all these things. And he just doesn't see that in this match, especially in the most important, you know, we had this lined up, you know, 4-1, you know, going into this match. And to see it just run away from us and get steamrolled by Roma. It's just, I just can't get over it. I mean, the other matches I've thought about, you know, uh, the Chelsea match where Torres scores, you know, that one hurts. Um, you know, some other matches I can think of against Bayern when we got schooled um, in Champions League. But this one, I think, hurts the worst just because we were had such an advantage. We could have done something to change it, and we didn't. And it's just, again, like we talked about earlier in the podcast, we just can't waste these... Uh, glory years for Messi because we want to win as many championships as we can. And that's especially when we have the greatest player that ever played. And just like Carlos was saying how Barcelona in this match looked like an amateur team against what is actually overall an inferior rival. Exactly. And, and, you know, as we talked in the other episode, my friend Gio from Roma, he was texting me and uh, he was watching it with his London Pena and they were going nuts. And, you know, I just you got to give Roma so much credit because over two legs, they played better than us. They wanted it more than us. Top to bottom, they're tacked everything, you know, and we just we showed up and we just thought, okay, we're playing Roma. We're on to the semifinals. And again, this is. This is what Champions League is so difficult uh, to to play, to win, and to repeat. So, man. yeah. And if you listen to last week's episode, neither of us had any idea, any inkling. We were like, "Oh yeah, we're ahead. We're we're going. We're going to the semis." I mean, how? Could, I mean, we were so confident just because of the way they played against Leganes, but at the same time, you know, we just didn't realize how maybe tired they were. 
yeah. uh, going into that match, you know. Um, they barely had any rest time. You know, you think about it. They only had Sunday and Monday, two days off of yeah. Leganes. Even though Leganes, they still won, and it wasn't that difficult a match. It's still 90 minutes. The flight time to Roma, the you know, just all that stuff. that you have to, I mean, they flew Monday, right? So it's not a true rest day. And, and these are the things that just baffles me because, you know, we've talked about, you know, people have talked about the bench, you know, the bench using the bench. I'm going to go on this real quick. Yeah. Um, they, it's not about that. We have to replace our team with a B squad against Leganes. It's just pepper in a couple of B squad players. so They get more experience so that we can trust them. So we don't have these burnouts. Like we do, we've had, we've had it seems like we've had these burnouts in the last five years, more often than not in champions league. Yeah. And it's, it's a way to one, give them more experience, build trust with them, get them worked into the system in a fairly low risk situation where so that we can as a team do better overall exactly i mean because you have to think of the you know with the three competitions we are and we have so many matches the thing is we have to start using our top 11 in the semifinals of the champions league you know where we have to use them often in that but I just the Leganes match is still going to haunt this season because yeah, we won very easily, but I would have been super comfortable losing that match, resting our players and have a better performance in the champions league on that Tuesday night. Yeah, absolutely. Now my, my conclusion on this, because there's, there's just so many feelings, so many thoughts and emotions. I just want to tie a bow on this a little bit and, and say that all season long, we've seen how Valverde is conservative with his lineups and his tactics and it's gotten good results in the league and taken us as far as the Copa del Rey final at this point with a great defensive record, best record in the league. But I just don't think he was equipped to respond to the pressure that Roma put on, having not been challenged to that degree at all this season. And we saw the cracks in the Copa del Rey against Espanyol and the early lead Sevilla took in the league a couple of weeks ago. But we did manage to grind out those draws and wins. But And plenty of people saw something like this coming. And my final thought on it is that I don't think Valverde really appreciates the talent that he has on the squad and in the on the bench. Or he's afraid to use it. But uh, I'm not calling for his removal or anything. I still think he's a good manager. But if he's going to get us further in the Champions League next year, he needs to take some lessons away from this loss. And I really hope he does. Well said. I mean, I totally agree with all those points. You know, I hope that he learns from this season because, you know, we do have a talented bench. We're talented enough that he should be able to sprinkle in Yeri Mina, Denis Suarez, Andres Gomes when we need to, you know, just to give Rakitic a break. Because think about how long, Rakitic has played almost every match. And the poor guy, you know. Um, well, he's got one, a break now. He broke his finger and he's, yeah, exactly. he's in a cast and, and he's out for a little bit. Exactly. But that's the thing, right? I mean. When we just think about all the important moments that we've had in Champions League. And I know, you know, this is a super, you know, La Liga is definitely the top priority, but I just want Champions League. And that's the other thing is that Real Madrid is a favorite now. And if they win, I just can't. It'll just break my heart. Oh, I know. It'll break my heart so much. Do you think Rakitic maybe broke his finger on purpose? It was kind of like one of those draft dodging kind of situations. He's like, I need I need out. I need out for a little bit. I'm just going to break my finger. Yeah, I'm you know, just going to fall major. my finger. Yeah. <laughs> could be, could be, you know. I mean, if you look at his minutes, it's I, I'm sure it's top of the team, you know, just because uh, when Busquets was out, Rakitic played more, you know, yeah. and, and that's the thing. And and he already played a lot before that. So. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. I mean, oh, man, I just – this match, man, this – it just kills me. It kills me, man. Right. Well, let's, let's – uh... 
We've said a lot. There there will always be more to say. It, I think whenever we think about this match, it'll bring up some feelings. But for now, let's try and put it behind us and look ahead. Now, we do have a couple other of community items, and this this also came from Carlos. And he said that he'd like us to talk about the imminent and necessary introduction of VAR in La Liga and Champions League, which I think is mainly a reference to the 98th minute penalty that was awarded to Ronaldo, oh which allowed Real Madrid to go forward. Brian, the other, I mean, the other thing that happened this week was the shit talking that happened in my school on Tuesday, <laughs> or actually Wednesday and Thursday. I just couldn't believe it. You know, I get, I get to school and of course, all my teacher friends that are Real Madrid friends are like, oh my God, Barca out. And they just laughing and so forth. And then the next day, they're just like, yep, it was a penalty. Straight face. And I'm just like, you got to really, Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Seriously. I, I, I tweeted a great video where um, they were all celebrating the win with the referee. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he was their 12th man. Correct. He was the 12th man. But, well, you know, Brian, we, we've talked about this VAR and this video, you know, the, the goal line technology, and I'm all for it. You know, I want better uh, decision making in the ref's hands, and I want good calls. People, you know, I heard Pochettino, the manager of uh, Tottenham Hotspur, he said it's going to ruin the game. And I'm like, how is it going to ruin the game? It's just going to make, you know, the game is much faster, stronger now. The refs are sometimes out of position. This is a tool that's going to help make these correct calls. Wouldn't you be all for it? Yeah, well, here's here are the facts on it. Uh, La Liga will begin using VAR next season, which is uh, different from goal line technology. It's essentially an instant replay system uh, for review. But UEFA have said that they have no plans to introduce VAR into the into the Champions League or Europa League this season or next. But FIFA will be using it in the World Cup this summer, so that'll be interesting, and that might actually lead to some developments from UEFA. And my thought on it is I'm all for using technology to make the game more fair and to give the match officials more tools to make the right calls. But one thing I don't want is for it to turn into American football, or at least how American fo- football used to be with just an incessant amount of play review happening so often that it just ruins the flow of the game. Um, but as long as it's only used for scoring situations and penalties, which, as I understand it, that's that's the plan, uh, is that it's only going to be used in certain situations. And uh, they've managed to get the review time, the review process, down to just a few seconds. They can do it very quickly. So as long as they can maintain that and keep the kind of the spirit of the flow of the game as a game, then I, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I totally agree. And just like you said, with American football, those, you know, they made the games longer because of those replays. So they had to limit those replays. And I think, you know, with these scoring situations, that it's not going to take that long. You know, you're going to be able to see within a couple, you know, two play, two replays on it and that's it. And so I don't think it's going to slow down the game too much. But for me, like I said, I just want the right call and a better tool to help the ref because the ref is all alone. You know, he's, it's him against 22 players, you know? Yeah. And I mean, as a, as a technology and the systems that they use to use it, uh, my, what I've read the other day is that there's something like a 98.9% accuracy rate using that technology and I saw it in use in a friendly and I know that they use it officially in the Bundesliga of course I don't watch Bundesliga so I don't know how that's going but uh, I haven't heard anything about it ruining the game yet in Germany yeah but the other thing too is that sometimes you don't need it you know that's the thing (laughs) I mean that's the thing there's some there's some games that you'll need that one or twice and other games you won't need it at all so yeah um, it's only 
the idea is to only use it for uh, contentious or difficult calls. Yeah, I mean, I'm all for it. Yeah, I'm I'm down with that. All right, and lastly, we got an email from uh, from Justin. It says, hey guys, big fan of the pod. Keep up the great work. A few shows ago, you were joking about which jersey you would buy if you reached your fundraising goal. Uh, and he's referring to our Patreon goal to reach 100 supporters at $3 a month. At that point, we'll uh, hold a drawing from among those supporters to give away a free jersey. So Justin's saying, uh, you made it sound like you knew of a place where you could get older kit from previous seasons. I've been struggling to find how to do this as I'm looking to replace an old jersey of mine that got stolen or perhaps left behind at a party. Uh, If you could let me know where I might find a place that sells authentic jerseys, that would be awesome. So I did uh, some Googling. <laughs> oh, you did some Googling. Yeah, I asked Mr. Google and I said, Mr. Google, find me some <laughs> Barca retro jerseys in hand. Remember Ask Jeeves? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why did it take off? I really like talking to him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Justin, I found this website. It's classicfootballshirts.co.uk. I don't know what the shipping is going back to the States, but I found that they have a really good selection of really old and uh, vintage Barca jerseys. They had, I, I saw they had the orange one from the Dream Team and so forth. And, uh, yeah, so check them out. That's the best one I could find. Other ones, um, yeah, they don't – like Nike doesn't keep old ones as often. So Yeah, uh, and I found a couple other sites that I also sent to him. Uh, they're all in the U.K., so you have to pay in, in pounds. And, uh, yeah, there's, like, shipping questions. We don't know. But, uh, again, if we reach that 100 supporter goal on Patreon, then uh, if you want one of those jerseys that's on classicfootballshirts.co.uk <laughs> – uh we're we'll be happy to do that yeah check them out they i found them and i was i got lost because you could just click on all those jerseys and i'm like ah, i could i could get that one i like this one why not this one ah, okay <laughs> that'd be nice yeah all right so well thanks justin hope that helps uh and you know good luck in your search to replace that jersey now also we have some news about our fundraising campaign to send a youth player to fcb camp in houston this summer. This is not for the show. This is just a community service project we're spearheading. And first of all, I spoke to the camp offices this week, and they're a good bit over 50% full for the Houston camp. And by the end of April and early May, they'll probably be running out of spots. So we need to get the money coming in for this right now to make sure we can get the kid that you're going to be sponsoring signed up before the camp is full. And that leads me to the second bit of news. Our man in Houston, Victor, Vice President of the Houston Kules has informed me he's identified two kids, maybe a third, to put into the lottery to receive this sponsorship that we're trying to get money for. And remember, if we can raise $1,500, we can send all three kids. But our basic goal is 500 That's the price of tuition for one kid plus a buck to send just at least one kid. And we're waiting for some approval from the parents before we tell you more about them and the kids and all that but victor has been very careful about this uh, about in about how he's been recruiting these kids with certain criteria such as i mean first of all whether they're interested in going to the camp whether they can and if they have transportation to get to and from camp each day because it's it's just a day camp so i'm confident that these kids are good candidates i trust victor and we're looking forward to being able to tell you more about them soon but don't wait Give a few dollars to this cause, $5, $10. And when you do, please share it on your social media if you have that. And to do this, just go to our website, barsatalk.net, 
and there's a link to our GoFundMe campaign right on the homepage there below the most recent episode. And finally, if you have a question or topic you want to hear us get into, drop us a line at barsatalk.net or leave a message on the phone line at 716-795-2853. That's a Buffalo number. Now, we do have this one small news item, and it is that Iniesta has apparently decided his future. He knows what he's going to do. Sport reported that after the Valencia win, he's made a decision about what he's going to do next season. Um, What that is, we still don't know, but apparently he will make an announcement by April 30th, according to Sport. From the images of the Champions League match, I mean, for me, it just seems like he's going to go, but... Why doesn't he just stay? Why can't we just use him as a sub player? You just know? stay. I, just stay. I mean, he's we love still, you. <laughs> he can still play matches. Why can't he just play one more year? And just, you know, he may not start, but he can definitely help us with the last 20 minutes of a match or a spot start here and there. I mean, you're not asking him to do so much. You know, I don't understand why. I mean, I understand as a, you know, he's an elite, elite player playing so many times starting maybe it's hard to regress that way, but at the same time, wouldn't you just want to stay at Barca and just, you know, the place that you played your whole professional career essentially. And I don't know, tutored the younger players and instead of going to China or I, I don't know, that's just me. I just, yeah, I think getting, getting him into kind of a bench captain kind of situation where, you know, he's still on the squad. He plays fewer minutes, fewer starts, but he's still there to again, help kind of like you were saying, just, you know, help the, the other guys, improve get better and with all of his wisdom and leadership you know he he has so many things to offer beyond just what he can do on the pitch and it would I would love it if he would stick around and offer those things as well that's what I was looking for you know just and especially for example next season he comes off the bench gives us 10 minutes to close out a match you just have Ines to come in and control the midfield that way and he's just going to be super fresh all the time because he's not going to be putting so much demand uh week to week on his body but I don't know. I, I understand the, you know, you want to try a new opportunity and go to, you know, a different league to help kickstart that league. But to me, I would just, you know, you have your family here in Barcelona. It's just comfortable. Um, you know, the, the team's not really kicking him out, essentially. Um, especially no, he has if, a contract for life. He can do whatever exa- he wants at the end exactly. of the season. <laughs> and especially, you know, for this upcoming season, I could, you know, he's not going to be taking away a, a roster spot from someone that's going to, be that much better than him you know right i was thinking when they first signed him to that uh that deal where at the basically every year he can choose what he wants to do what if just every year blinders on he comes in saying i'm ready put me in i want <laughs> yeah. i want to start yeah <laughs> like after like two or three years it's like, um andres we might have to talk yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. i can see that but at the same time i mean I, i'm sure in the beginning that was that understanding that from season to season, his match uh, minutes are going to go down and starts and so forth. But, yeah. uh, you know, I'm to me, I just hate when, you know, especially with Iniesta, he can still be useful going forward for us. Very. Help, yeah. Mentor the young players and to come into close matches. Absolutely. So we'll see what happens and we'll, we'll keep you abreast of that. And again, I don't know if he's going to actually make an announcement by April 30th, but that's what I read. So we'll, we'll keep you updated on that. Now, we do have a couple of little updates about uh, FCB Femini and Barca B. Barca B are actually playing on Monday evening in Huesca, so we're actually going to have to just catch you up on their performance in the uh, Liga 1-2-3 on next week's episode. But FCB Femini won against Betis 2-0, 
and we'll have a match recap and full results of the Liga Femenina on our special Monday Extra video. And this is something we do on Mondays, and normally it's a patron-only post just for our supporters, but anyone can check it out this week. Uh, just go to patreon.com slash Pod, find the video under our posts, or you can just go to barsatalk.net slash support and click through to Patreon from there. And while you're there, consider becoming a supporter of the show for just $3 a month, and you'll get all of our bonus material week to week. Now, elsewhere in the Champions League, of course, we talked about our our match in in great and morbid detail. But uh, elsewhere in the Champions League, you know, Bayern and Sevilla, they played to a scoreless draw in the second leg, and that's going to send Bayern ahead after their 2-1 win in the first leg. So Bayern's in the semifinals. Brian, I don't care about the Champions League anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Well... You know, you generally work off small bullet points, whereas I like to write things out a lot on uh, the document that we base each episode on. And I kind of like going through this very quickly. Here's like basically my setup is Bayern and Sevilla. They played blah, blah, blah. Bayern goes ahead. Don't care. Juventus three to one. Real Madrid, blah, blah, blah. Real Madrid goes through. Hate Real Madrid. Man Man City one, two. Liverpool goes ahead. Liverpool looks good. Hey, Brian, I'm speaking the truth, you know? It's true, yeah. I I love your bullet points. Bayern Sevilla, don't care. Real Madrid, hate Real Madrid. Correct. I mean... Well, let's talk about Liverpool. All right, let's talk about Liverpool. I'm excited. I'm, they're they're my dark horse. I'm, I'm rooting for them to shock the world, essentially, because no one saw them coming through um, the way they've been playing, especially against Man City. Um, again, Real Madrid gets the breaks. They are, you know, since they're not in La Liga, they can focus... 100% in Champions League. That's why they're able to perform in Champions League. Again, Ronaldo had some goals. He's the best player in the world, apparently. Um, <laughs> I don't agree. Uh, all my students, obviously, as I told you, the next day they all said it was a penalty. I obviously disagree. Um, but that match was really exciting. I don't know if you saw that. That was a really exciting match. But I, I'm pulling for a Bayern-Liverpool final. I think for me that would be an interesting final. I think it would be entertaining. And also Real Madrid wouldn't be in it. So Yeah, so I would love for Bayern to just knock Real Madrid out in the semifinal. That would be great. Yeah, hopefully they don't get hosed like they did last time when Pep was uh, in charge in Bayern. And they got, I don't know if you remember, Vidal got sent off on some iffy yellow cards. And um, Real Madrid were able to pull that off. So hopefully Bayern has a better showing this time, especially with James playing really well for them. Um, let's go Bayern. Yeah. <laughs> Bayern Liverpool final. That's what we're pulling for. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about La Liga. So first off, I want to look ahead to Celta. And I just want to say that with our current position in the league and after what we've just gone through, you know, with Roma, I really want to see Dembele, Denis, Semedo, Yerimina start in the Celta match. You know, I don't even care if we lose. We have points to spare and I'm starting to get impatient for those guys to get more time i mean i definitely think obviously um dembele is hopefully going to get some more time but the other guys i don't know um especially yeri mini i don't think he's going to get that much playing time this season but like you said these are the matches that we can use to develop and gain their confidence you know i want to see dembele more you know playing in the four two three one or four three three he needs to get used to it because we're going to need him next season and he's going to be a vital role Semedo as well Semedo has to get better with his passing, his passing accuracy lately is not that great. Develop that chemistry with the right midfield and know when to go up and when not to, and to use those triangles for passing. So uh, again, here I have my notes. The only player 
that really scares me for Celta is obviously Diego Aspas. He's a really good player. He, as we talked about, we uh, talked about the Spanish national team. He could have a place in the starting 11, him or Rodrigo as the top striker. So he has 20 goals this season. Super exciting. He plays really well against Barcelona all the time. And uh, he knows how to score. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, he's like one of the top scorers in the league, and which is surprising because, I mean, Celta, you know, they're not doing horribly. Uh, they're not doing great. And it's kind of amazing that Iago Aspas is he's clearly the goal scorer for Celta because he's so he's so high up on the uh, on the scorers list for the league. Yeah, he's uh, he's had a really good uh, two or three seasons. Um, he's he has good speed. He has a really good knack for finishing, just like Rodrigo. Um, he, you know, he just, he's really, he's just a really great player and to score 20 goals for Celta this season, which Celta doesn't really have that, you know, quality of a team is pretty, pretty impressive. Yeah, absolutely. So I, again, I don't even care if we, if we lose, I just want to see some more positive moves to get some more playing time for these, uh, these younger guys, these other guys, get them some more experience because again, you know, these our our main 11, they're just, they're clearly a little burned out. I mean, clearly, I mean, that again, they just need to sprinkle in these guys throughout the season and take your chances, you know, against, I don't know, Deportivo, against Leganes at home. Like these are the type of matches you have to take. And if we lose, we lose. But at least you're preserving the minutes and the legs of our top players for the most important matches in spring. Yeah, absolutely. Now, as far as a review of La Liga, we will have a full La Liga review on our Monday extra video. And again, to see that this week, uh, go to barsatalk.net slash support to click through to our Patreon page and it'll be uh, open and free for everyone. Um, And while you're there, please consider becoming a supporter. It's just $3 a month. Now let's get into the Valencia match. Match day 32 on Saturday, we won 2-1, and, you know, it was just, it was cold comfort after the heartbreak of the Champions League midweek, but they did break the record held since 1980 for the longest unbeaten streak in La Liga history at 39 games, and like we mentioned last week, this Barcelona record has actually more wins than Sociedad's record from 79-80, so we can at least take that uh, as some comfort, I guess. Yeah, I mean... This match was, I don't know if you could tell by the crowd in the stadium, they just, no one showed up. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it was was one of those matches where everyone was still sad from the Champions League exit. I mean, I, I mean, I watched this match, but I got to be honest, Brian, I was not interested at all. I was, I was obviously watching it for the podcast, but at the same time, I just, I just felt so blah about this match. Right. As a fan, as a podcaster, you were doing your job, but as a fan, your heart wasn't in it. Correct. As a fan, I just I laid on the couch and I fell asleep in and out of consciousness. But as a podcaster, I took copious notes. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow you managed to do both. <laughs> Correct. But I mean, it's just, you know, just by you could tell the the crowd was not into it. Um, obviously, Valencia wanted to get this victory. They were after it at the beginning. We still looked as though we were slow motion a little bit at the beginning. But uh, what did you think of the lineup? Uh, for the starting 11 you know uh, it was okay well the lineup was Ter Stegen Sergi PK Umtiti Alba and I'm not total I'm not shocked that Semedo you know got looked over after his performance on Tuesday although I feel like you know maybe this was maybe now's the time to play him but anyway midfield had Busquets Pauli Iniesta Coutinho and of course I liked seeing Coutinho in there and then Messi and Suarez and at least one listener uh, Luke was upset that Dembele was on the bench again, and I have to say, so was I. 
I would agree too. And the other thing too is I just rest Busquets. <laughs> I just, mean, just rest him. Just rest him. There's no need for him. I know. For example, if he's not 100%, I mean, as we saw against Roma, it didn't seem as though he was 100%. Just rest him. The, the, the risk reward for this match is there's none. You know, we already have the points. Just rest Busquets. Put Denise in stardom, you know, give other players some. This is the type of match where we should have full on gone plan B, you know, right. Like, uh, instead of Alba, maybe put Semedo there. You know, I don't know. The Vermalen. morning after lineup. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> after that loss, Denny Suarez yeah. gets a start. Yeah, yes, exactly. You know, the, the, the famed morning after, right? Yeah. But now, then, like, for, for example, like Paulinho starting, you know, like, okay, that's fine. I'm down with that. But then, because I knew we had Coutinho. And obviously, in the last La Liga matches, I've liked what I've seen with Coutinho. He adds more aggressiveness for us. He has the balance on the left side or the right side, depending on where he plays. And, but again, I want to see Dembele. We paid so much money for him. Just use him. Yeah. Use him. In the words of this one listener, uh, who I was, Luke, my, uh, my text buddy during matches, <laughs> in the words of Luke, 150 fucking million. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> he's not hurt. You he's know? not hurt. Just, he's not hurt. Just use him. He's looking good, man. Yeah, I mean, we should have just gone with, you know, Coutinho, Messi, Suarez, Dembele, and just four attackers up top, you know, and just let it rip, you know? Yeah, just let, go hard. We should, you know, it would have been really nice to see that and just maybe we score a bunch of goals and we blow them out and everyone becomes happy again. But this match, you know, I knew the match was going to be contested, obviously, because Valencia had their full squad. They were at full Red Rocket. And, um, <laughs> you know... The way they've been playing, especially Rodrigo lately. Yeah, and Guedes. And Guedes, too. And Parejo and and so forth. On and on and on. So, um, but yeah, you know, as we noted in the podcast, we just want to see, especially after what happened on Tuesday, we just want to see more rotation. It doesn't have to be all the time, but just, you know, every second game, every third game, you know. We have so many matches, you know. Yeah. Well, let's get into some details here because um, – there was this one moment in the sixth minute that I just absolutely loved. It was a fantastic overlap from Iniesta in behind Alba, and he sets up Suarez, and then Suarez duffed it. Which And so, yeah, it was disappointing from Suarez. But right after that play from Iniesta, for me, Barca appeared more positive and confident because at the start of the match, right, you could tell that things were tense. They were still, just like we all were, still, you know, thinking about, Roma in the back of our minds and maybe not so much in the back of our minds. Uh, things were a little bit tense. And just this one moment from Iniesta, this moment of brilliance, even though Suarez totally screwed up the finish, the play just was so positive and inventive. And that's, of course, that's what's great about having Iniesta on the field is that things like that can happen. And for me, they did get a little bit more confident after that. Although Valencia did keep getting great counters in because Barca were playing such a high line. Yeah, it's a good point. And I I definitely I mean Iniesta just looked fresh right because it was so many days from Tuesday, he made some great runs especially on this pass, and Suarez duffed it. I mean he totally just missed it, you know. Yeah. But um, no, but yeah, like you said, there was definitely some. They just looked a little bit more alive after that play, and that definitely helped to lead to the first goal by Suarez. Yeah, which was in the fifteenth minute, and it was some just great penetration, and also I. The side-footed, you know, the outside of the foot passes from these Brazilians, like Pauly has them, and it was a great one from Coutinho 
for Suarez just to get it in through the lane that he got it through. I thought was beautiful, and it was a great finish from Suarez. Yeah, I mean, could, like I, you know, Coutinho. I'm, I'm gonna spoiler. Right? He was my man of the match for this one. <laughs> I just think that. When he's in the lineup, I mean, you could, imagine if we had him for the Roma match. It makes me so sad <laughs> <laughs> because he just would have given us that aggressiveness that we needed, you know, because he, you could just tell he's just after it. He feels more comfortable. And he was playing on the right side on, on this match, which is not his most uh, quote unquote comfortable position. And again, that pass, the way he slotted with a really great accuracy and pace and really great finish by Suarez. Yeah, a, a good finish. So at least we we got that and like things were starting to the mood was starting to lighten a little bit, I think. But then in the 24th minute, Ter Stegen made this really bad pass, gave it gave the ball away and he just barely saved Rodrigo's shot. Yeah, you know, that's the thing is that Ter Stegen sometimes uh, is overconfident with his passing, you know, and he does give away these balls sometimes, but uh yeah, Rodrigo should have finished, but again, you know, Ter Stegen was lucky not to give up the goal on that bad pass. Yeah, well, Ter Stegen had to do some serious work in this match. And actually, I think as as it came down, the uh, the B-in man of the match poll wound up being for Ter Stegen because he, he made the saves that he made. Of course, they're, ideally, you know, you, you don't want your goalkeeper to have to be working so hard. Correct. But, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, it seems Ter Stegen sometimes gets bored. And so he just needs to have this action to get, you know, plugged in sometimes. Uh, but, you know, he, for as great as he is with his reactions and his passing, he does get sloppy with giving the ball easily to the other team with these uh, overconfident passes. Yeah. And then there was another moment in the second half, 48th minute, so early minutes of the second half, where Umtiti had the ball and then he just lost his feet. He was going to make a pass and he just his feet came out from under him. And then suddenly Valencia were in on goal. PK covered the goal while Ter Stegen came out, which was good. You know, he got aggressive, but he also left the goal wide open. And luckily, PK was there to cover. But that was another close one. Yeah, it was good recovery by PK. Again, this is another thing, too. PK should have been resting. I mean, he's been playing with his bothered knee. You know, he obviously made a great play. Who knows if Vermalen makes that play or not. But just great coverage on PK's part to, to follow the play. Because, yeah, Ter Stegen came out, made Rodrigo make a move. And Rodrigo should have done better with his ball. Uh, but he just, you know, he just basically passed it and PK was able to block it and they were able to clear that scoring opportunity. Yeah. But then Umtiti got the second goal in the 51st minute on the corner kick with his head at a tough angle. So it was very well done. And I think he was uh, re- redeeming himself a little bit after falling just, you know, those few minutes earlier. Definitely. And it was, again, this always goes out to, remember, Brian, as I tell you, defending corner kicks suck. <laughs> and so, you know, when we used to do these short corners, I get it. We were trying to always maintain possession because obviously this, you know, like that analytics aspect of it is every time you do a long corner kick, you never retain possession. It's probably, you know, I imagine that's how it came about. But for me, especially with Umtiti, PK, um, you know, if we have Suarez in there, we should be able to throw that ball because those are scoring opportunities. So Umtiti did a great job by attacking the ball and getting his first real goal for Barcelona. Yeah, seriously. Now, there was this other this other play, and it's, you know, as I'm going through this, it makes me rethink my man of the match. I think maybe I want to change it to Iniesta. But anyway, this was in the 70th minute, and... It was this beautiful explosive moment where Iniesta, he like he lit the fuse with this give to Messi, and then he drifted all the way to the other side of the box, and Messi returned 
And Iniesta's shot, he was off balance, left-footed, in the air, while he was falling down. It was an amazing effort, and it got saved. And it would have been great if that would have been a goal, because everything that led up to it was so beautiful, and that would have been the payoff. Uh, But we didn't get the goal. But I still want to mention that moment, because that was another one of those inspiring Iniesta messy moments and that that make me love the club that make me love this team yeah so don't go Iniesta <laughs> seriously just stay just stay <laughs> one more year just stay one more year. yeah I mean obviously you just see the chemistry they have I mean it's undeniable you know it's uh you know it's hotter than yours and ours you know oh and yeah you know uh they just know exactly where they're gonna go it's it's an unspoken language. And on that play, that pass from Messi was divine. You know, it was just, it lands right on, on Iniesta. Unfortunately, it was, a, you know, uh, he wasn't able to get the goal, but, you know, it was a nice save by the Valencia keeper. So Iniesta had a really great match. And it's, it's amazing what happens when you rest. Yeah, right. Exactly. Now, so then we can get into some substitutions. What did you think of the first sub, Dembele in for Coutinho in the 79th minute? I'm rolling my eyes. Why? Why? (laughs) Why do this change? I don't understand this at all. Unless Coutinho has some sort of knock that we don't know about and they're limiting his minutes, but just let him play the whole match. I mean, like we talked about in the beginning of this uh, match review, we want to see Dembele. So for me, it's great that he came in the match, but... You know, take someone else off, take Polly off, take some, you know, let's, or Suarez even, you know, just let's let Coutinho finish the match. Yeah. Actually, I was looking at the, the uh, starting 11, and I was, my first thought was, yeah, take Polly off. You're up two goals. If you want to put Dembele in and give him time, take off Polly and, you know, change up the, the formation a little bit more. Exactly. And then obviously we have the second change, Denny's for Iniesta. I'm fine with that, but um, maybe do it earlier. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, why? It's the 84th minute. Like, I don't understand. Well, what's Denny's going to do? Yeah. And, gonna... <laughs> and also, you know, Valverde has been so good about making his substitutions on the earlier side. These last two games, I don't know what, maybe he's just preoccupied. He's distracted. He has, maybe he's buying a new house and it's in escrow. <laughs> and I know that's very stressful. A friend of mine is going through that right now. Like, maybe he just has like other things on his mind and he's forgetting to make his substitutions. And then his his assistant is like, um... Yeah, so it's like the 80th minute. <laughs> you want to yeah, yeah. you want to change anything up? <laughs> yeah, because before he would do it between the 70 75th minute and for me that would be more beneficial for both Iniesta and Denis because Denis can actually get some playing time. He can actually make a difference in the match. He's fresh. You know, we don't have to use Iniesta till the I mean Denis only gets 6 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> What's, What's he going to do with that? <laughs> yeah. What was he going to do with that? But anyway, now and then in the 86th minute, Dembele made a it, he, he, it was a bad tackle. You know, it, I appreciate his effort, you know, but it was a bad tackle and he gave up a penalty. And then Parejo, you know, oh, actually, yeah, no, on this play, Ter Stegen got to it, but it slipped under his arms. So there's like two levels of heartbreak on that on that situation. On the Dembele play, I don't, I didn't think it was a penalty because it didn't impede the pass, right? And yeah, it could be a bad tackle, but at the same time, it, it, it didn't, like I said, it wasn't a bad foul per se. Um, but yeah, like you said, Ter Stegen made the save and it just squirted right under him, you know, and he just yeah. turned around. He's like, God damn it, ball. Seriously. <laughs> Why you got to be so round? Yeah. <laughs> and slippery. <laughs> yeah, he got to it and everything. It was so, so disappointing. Um, but then there was one other, other play. 
that I did want to mention, and that was in the 92nd minute with Messi on the counter, Dennis wide open, Messi fed him, but Neto, the Valencia goalkeeper, came out to shut down uh, Dennis's not very inspired finish. Yeah, you know why? Because he came in with only four minutes left in the match. That's why he this is his first touch essentially. Yeah, you know, like what do you expect? I don't. Yeah, he should have done better, right? He should have done better to either go left or right. But at the same time, that essentially was his first shot slash pass. You know that that came on. You know he, I know he came in. You know five minutes before, but he barely touched the ball. You know, and then all of a sudden he's on the breakaway, and he should have scored. It was a great pass by Messi, obviously. But, you know, these are the type of things where, you know, who knows what happens. If he comes in the 75th, he may do a better job of that. But, again, Denny's has to do better as well. You're professional. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right, so uh, let's talk man of the match. You've already mentioned that your man of the match was Coutinho. Let's talk about some details. Yeah, so Coutinho for me, just because of the, obviously, the two assists that he had, uh, just overall great performance. And obviously, just when he's on the pitch, he just gives us that aggressiveness, that bite that we lack in Champions uh, League, the second half of this uh, run of Champions League. Um, He's becoming more comfortable with his positioning, um, the chemistry with the players. And again, just on that pass he gave to Suarez, it was just knowing that Suarez was going to cut across and finding that gap. So for me, I just, I love what Coutinho brings to our team. And I, I'm really excited for the year to come that he's going to actually participate in all three competitions. So for me, that's really exciting. So, uh, yeah, so Coutinho is my man of the match. What did you think of his uh, performance? I thought he was great. And again, I just wish he'd would have played all 90 minutes you know you, you could see how every time he plays he just gets more dialed in he gets better and you can see obviously his skill I mean from the very first moment he played for us you could see his skill but now you can see that he's really starting to work in to the team and the system and his invention is coming alive more uh, and even when he's playing on the right what he doesn't have when he's playing on the right is those shots from outside the box which is a, a very serious threat that he offers but even when he is playing on the right, he still has great playmaking abilities. He can really you know, make things happen. He can draw defenders in, open up space for other people, all kinds of things. And just, yeah, just let him play all 90. Yeah, and the other thing, too, he brings is his ability to bring or to beat defenders 1v1 when he needs to. He doesn't have to do it all the time, but just having that threat to do that just gives us more dynamic attacking on the wings. So for me, I just I love the way he's been playing recently and... Uh, especially the way he's playmaking as well. So who was your man of the match other than Messi? You know, for me, it was actually Alba, especially in the first half. You know, he was the one saving everyone's ass defensively, putting out fires, breaking up plays, even out of his own position. And I have a couple of uh, a couple of stats to share with you about this. 12th minute, he made a very important clearance in the box. And he made some important recoveries in scoring areas for Valencia, you know, situations for where Valencia could have scored. He made these recoveries in seventh minute, 52nd minute. And without him, I think Valencia would have scored early and that match could have turned out very different differently. And one other notable stat, Alba had 73 total passes to 52 by Coutinho. And he had a better passing accuracy rate than Coutinho. Yeah. I mean, Alba, I mean, it's not know, a competition. I'm not trying to like say you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, just pointing that out. Brian, you just one-upped me, you MFer. <laughs> I, I, I beat I, you with stats. Yeah, I see I see how you are. <laughs> with numbers. Yeah, with these numbers. Um, uh. Yeah, no, I mean, again, Alba, 
has always been super important for our defense, you know, for the last six seasons um, with his speed and his ability to recover and obviously the chemistry he has with Iniesta to, you know, on attacking ability. So again, Alba provided his um, defense uh, to clear those balls to prevent Valencia from scoring. So again, I, I have no problem with your man of the match. You one <laughs> upper. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you very much. Well, that's it for this week. Uh, Don't forget to check out our Monday extra video with the La Liga Roundup and a full recap of FCB Femini. Go to barsatalk.net slash support and just click through to our Patreon page to check that out. Barza Talk is written by Gabriel Quiroga and myself, Brian Henderson. The show is edited by Brian Henderson, and the music is also by Brian Henderson. Gabriel Quiroga is our promotion and social media manager, which means this is a two-man show. Go ahead and be a part of it. Give us your comments, questions, topics you'd like us to discuss. Visit barzatalk.net and find the contact page or one of our social media channels. And if you want to support the show, click on the support tab at barzatalk.net to do that. Remember to subscribe, rate, review, and spread the word about Barca Talk. Until next week, I'm Brian Henderson. I'm Gabriel Quiroga. And this is Barca Talk. Thanks for listening. Visca Barca. Visca Barca. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi, this is Will Friedle. In a world that sometimes feels uncertain, where communities can be disconnected, there are beacons of hope in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network. They believe that the people living all around you are your best bet at creating meaningful social bonds and preparing you for the next big weather event. Whether it's lending a helping hand to a neighbor in need or standing together in times of natural disaster, Neighbor to Neighbor empowers you to grow your community. Visit caneighbors.com to learn how you can help build a more connected community. Neighbor to neighbor, it takes a neighborhood.